Welcome to Toffee Blue View, your source for all things Everton. I'm Jerry, and I'm joined today by the brothers McAllister. I've got Terry and Paul, Paul and Terry, if you want to be alphabetical about it. Gentlemen, how are we? I'm good, man. Thanks. Um, glad, glad to be back on. Right on. Paul, you okay? I'm fine. Still frustrated about the result, but other than that, not too bad. Yeah, yeah. Saturday was, was sort of frustrating. Uh my, you know, I, we had we had the the Huddersfield boredom uh, non game, whatever you want to call it, paint drying, uh, and then like right after that, I had to go off to my kid's game where, you know, he played keeper for the first half and he doesn't normally play keeper, and second half he was kind of not playing like his normal self. So I just was in like the worst. I went home and cleaned up a storm, gentlemen. Get the negative. <laughs> out get the bad vibes out uh but yeah yesterday was a lot better we went and watched a a local university game wake forest and it's funny funny story uh before we get into this (laughs) the depression of huddersfield uh we were watching it's actually the women's team at wake forest university play and walking past us the one of the men's players walked by and my son has met these players before and so I said, why don't you go say hey? So he runs over there. My son's six, okay? He runs over there to say hey, and I notice it's taking him a long time. And I look over, and my kid has sat down beside this guy and is just watching the game with him, talking soccer, <laughs> football, whatever you want to call it. It's whatever. And so I notice more men's players for Wake Forest are walking by. Pretty soon my kid is watching the game talking strategy with like 10 to 15 of these men's players <laughs> watching the game and I am in that weird predicament as a parent like I'm excited for him that's really cool but do I get him is he being annoying you know what I mean <laughs> it's that it's that really weird like I don't know what to do but you know I finally my wife was like you know what let's relax it's really cool let's just let it so he watched the whole damn game with him <laughs> And wake one. So it's like we had a good football Sunday, you know, rather than the meh from Saturday. All right. So now that we got the positivity out of the way, um, let's sum this up, guys, for for the podcasters out there. Uh, We're going to start with our Huddersfield reaction, and uh, a preview of it will be a long groan. That's what it's going to sound like. Uh, next, we're going to have a, a segment about what to do with Tom Davis. And the brothers McAllister, I'm sure, will agree on every point. And they will not. They will not be in contention on any points. They'll be in total accord. Just kidding. They, they, they argue over this one. And you know what? I'm going to try my best to be impartial. All right? Just say it. <laughs> my referee kid. Uh <laughs> Uh, and uh, next, we're gonna we're gonna talk uh, kind of a remember when segment. Uh, remember when Red Bull Everton almost happened? Did it almost happen? I don't know. But remember when it was possibly a thing when it was in the media. So we're gonna talk about that strange. And then uh, we'll talk. We'll finish up with some transfer rumors of the past. You know, 
remember when. These guys might remember these these uh, possible transfers. I'm familiar with two of the three of these players. I actually knew about one of these rumors, but yeah, we'll go into those. So, gentlemen, on on to the first segment. Huddersfield reaction. Do either one of you guys actually get to go the game Saturday? I did. I didn't, unfortunately. All right, yeah. Paul. We're gonna let's not dump out out all of our problems just to yeah. begin with. Could yeah. you start with and point to one problem that led to us not grabbing three points on Saturday? Huddersfield were just very, very well organized and did a job mm-hmm. on us. Basically, I thought I think it a lot of it owed to the fact that Huddersfield played very, very well. We a lot of our top players played badly because Huddersfield made them play badly. I felt it wasn't a case of we were getting a lot of chances and just wasting them or a lot of players were just I mean players had off days but it wasn't a case of where any other day if we if Huddersfield play like that we'd have beaten them I think our best team would have found that hard I mean I think we, if you've had two or three players available who weren't available we probably would have just got the job done got over the line but I I think Huddersfield deserved the due there they they really played well a lot better than I thought they were going So to. Paul's uh, main issue is the fact that Huddersfield set up to frustrate um, and had a solid game plan, yeah. and they executed that game plan. That is not where I was expecting you to go, and I think it's a fair point. Terry, one problem that led to us not grabbing three points. Um, lack of creativity, I think, and... I think if we've got all of our players available, that Richarlson, um, Bernard, players like that, I think we might, when teams come to your ground to do a job like that, you can't try and do what we did try and do, which was put Nias on and put two up top. You can't go um, linear with your attacks. You can't be predictable because they teams like that love to defend against crosses, balls straight up the middle. You need someone with a little bit of a little bit of a flair, a little bit of skill to unlock a defence like that. And the better we get as a team, the more attacking, the more settled we become, the more teams will try and do this to us. This is where Roberto Martinez first started to go wrong, was teams started to expect Everton to play great football around them. So they just made themselves hard to break down and deep, and he never found the answer to that. I'm not suggesting that that will continue as a problem under Silva, but it's something we're going to run into again. And I think... When we've got all of our players fit and they're more of a, a well gelled team, I think we'll have more we'll be more capable of breaking it down. Whereas I just think the pieces, the players we needed to unlock that door uh, on Saturday weren't there. I, we can't speak for every player, especially the new ones, whether they're gonna be good or not, but even ones we do know about, Richarlison, a full game from Walcott, they may have made the difference to to Get that final pass, that final ball. Uh, it, it was, it was. A, I agree, with Paul. A good performance by Huddersfield, but one that came a little bit too early for us. If we'd have had this in a few weeks, four or five weeks, we may have broken them down. Another good point. So Terry's pointing to uh, fitness and availability, but additionally, you know, I guess cohesion as well. Um, I, I honestly, rewatching that game today. It was such a careless, sloppy performance where we were giving the ball away, mm-hmm. trying to thread the needle with some of our passes, uh, passes that weren't there. 
and the ones that were there just mm-hmm. making silly, uh, be, you know, misplaced passes by, you know, three and four yards, just wide margins. And as you know, very often it, this this can be a game of inches, all right? And it was just not inch-perfect precision when it, when it comes to and, – and there were players that I feel like typically execute that were not executing this weekend. Um, and – when it's a sloppy performance, number one, you got to you have to blame blame the opposition some. You have to think Huddersfield were frustrating us. So I think go back to your point, Paul. Um, but I'm wondering uh, mentally because we've seen some of this sloppy, careless play before. We saw that against Bournemouth as well, at least in the first half. Um, and I'm wondering if it's a mentality thing. I'm I'm wondering if it's a mental preparation thing where we are just trying to play so quickly, but we're not able to to do that i mean davis is a good, good example right he gave the ball away a lot on saturday um but we're not getting into him right now we have a whole segment for him coming so stay tuned for that um so yeah mine is just uh is careless and sloppy play not actually being focused on what you are at being mindful of what you're doing um so yeah uh man of the match to, to go a little more positive, Terry, who was your man of the match on Saturday? Um, probably Kurt Zuma. I think he really impressed. He, he looks the part. He looks like he's going to be a good fit at the back. And it was it was hard hard to pick um, a standout performance because the rest of the team were laboured somewhat. I mean, I, I just think things not coming off. They're trying to force it. So the only one who looked comfortable, well. The only one of the few players who look comfortable, which was Zuma, but Dina runs him close. Paul? Um, yeah, it's, it's it's take your pick between Dina and Zuma, but I I would just edge it towards Dina because he got another assist, another brilliant ball into the box for a goal. Again, looked unflappable, was always in the right position, did everything that was expected of him, and he was kind of left on his own for large periods of the game. Um, Calvert-Lewin was kind of not really playing out wide, he was more of an inside tucked in type of wide forward so Dinya basically had to play left back and left midfield for large periods of the game on his own and he, he coped well he, he, didn't run out of, he didn't run out of legs I don't think, I mean, I'd imagine that's why he was brought off because he played 90 minutes in the week and Silva didn't want to overload him but I think he could have been left on and been absolutely fine so Zuma was impressive, very impressive but I think Dinya takes it for me just on the account that he assisted to an, assisted another goal and he just looks really, really unflappable and really, really comfortable in that position and I want to see him stay at left-back for a good long time. Uh, those are the two names I wrote down. <laughs> Evidently, we all watched the same game, <laughs> which is comforting. Uh, yeah. My initial thought was give it to Dinya because of the assist. And that is, but however, Zuma played the whole match, whole 90 minutes, and uh, that... But yeah, if I'm gonna be not wishy-washy and have to pick one, I'm gonna say Dean. That's what I'll say. Um, should anyone be dropped after that performance, guys, or was that just kind of an all-around team? You know what I mean? Was that, <laughs> uh, do, do you look at certain mm-hmm. players and say, "Well, eh, let's bring someone else in for the next one after the break"? Paul, what do you think? Well, it, it depends on what you define by dropped, because I think there's a, there was quite a few players in that team who wouldn't be playing if Very other true. players were fit. So it's 
it's basically you're saying, do you think these players deserve to be demoted? Basically, does any do any of those players need to be told, right, that was not good enough? You're not going to play for a certain amount of pay, for a, this period. No, I don't think any player deserves to be really chewed out over it. Or, or you know, not nothing to any great extent. But there's definitely some players who are locked out and thought, yeah, you don't belong in our start in our strongest eleven. Definitely, I think there was at least four players who I think if everybody's fit, I think you belong on the bench and you you wouldn't be the team. You don't belong in Everton's strongest eleven. That's what I'd say. There's a, quite a few players there who prove that when all the other players are fit, they don't deserve to keep their place. But I wouldn't say dropped as in <coughs> both them and run them down and make them feel worthless. I think they just kind of have to be... Mm, what's the word? Use a bit use a bit more sparingly. That's a kind way of saying it. <laughs> Terry, what do you think? Um, I wouldn't go as far as to say dropped as in like anyone played so badly that they need to be sort of blacklisted but some of the players there clearly are preferred positions in their preferred traces in their position so for example when Richarlison is back you're not going to get Calvert-Lewin on the left and when um, Garner Gay is back you're not probably not going to get Davies in the team straight away that doesn't mean oh that's it they were terrible drop them but everyone's on a clean slate but they clearly are players who until proven otherwise are better than others so I think if we came back from the international break and everyone was fit, I think there'd be a three, four changes to that team. Um, I agree with you guys. Uh, I, I guess the reason for the question is that it's not an abandon all hope, ye who enter here type of scenario. Um, we were having to fill some gaps. Um, although it was kind of a watching milk, milk curdle type of performance, uh, it it still could have been worse if we're going to be... It's, it's a crappy way of being positive, right? But it actually could have been. Um, and I think if we kind of keep that in mind, uh, our our depth hopefully will be growing from experiences like this. You know, Davis is depth. Um, and he is 20. So players like uh, Calvert-Lewin. What are we going to do with that guy? Because he's playing and he's scoring and Richarlison comes back. What? You know, so it's going to be interesting to see if if Calvert Lewin or or Richarlison swap out with Tosin just to give us a different type of a look late on in the game. Uh, curious, just saying. Um, uh, just just to go ahead and lay this out there. Not super enthused about the officiating at the, at this one, guys. Um, I thought Huddersfield time wasted going early, very early in the first half. They were just chilling on throw-ins, just hanging out, just taking their sweet time. It's pretty frustrating to watch, to be honest with you. Paul, I can imagine being at the ground. That would kind of anger you as well. I, I had it at 15 minutes when they first started doing it. 15 minutes and their goalie was already, you know, kicking the ball, rolling it very slowly back to the six-yard box, he's going to take the goal kick. Walking all... Um, when the ball boy throws in the ball, picking yeah. it up very, very slow and carrying it back. And they're throw-ins, you know, their player. When, whenever they get a throw-in, the guy who's not taking the throw-in would pick the ball up, walk five yards away with it, and then roll it along the floor back to the guy who's going to take the throw-in. It's just time-wasting. And it was really, really frustrating. But as I said back earlier on, if you're Huddersfield and you're going to that game, that's exactly what you'd want. 
from your team. You they came to get to get a positive result. They got a positive result, and it's just the onus is on us to break them down. We should have known they were going to try and do that. I said last week during the previous um, pod that if they came and tried to play very positive and were playing open, I think they were setting themselves up for a hiding if they did that, and I didn't expect them to. Yeah. And lo and behold, they didn't. They just came. They threw. Every, they came. They saw. I wouldn't say they conquered, but they succeeded in what they came to do. They chose the smart tactics. They had the right game plan, and they're every player in that team to a man seemed to pull it off perfectly and they got the points that they came for. So, again, in future, we're going to face that again. We're going to face those problems again. We can't just keep complaining, saying, oh, it's not fair. The other team are taking too long. They're time-wasting. Well, as the attacking team and as the home team and as the better team, the onus is on you to go and take the three points yourself and score and make it so they can't waste time because they have to catch up to us. They, they wouldn't be time-wasting if we took the lead at any point in that game. And we didn't. We had to chase them all game. So, sum up, really. I don't blame them one bit for doing what they did. Frustrating, but that's just what teams have to do when they're down there and they come to a big a big team and they're back Terry, against the wall. you see something like that and you expect it. You do expect it. And you kind of, I mean, like Paul said, I mean, I don't know necessarily know that I blame them. I guess who I point to is is the are the officials. Who, they're the ones who can do something about it. I'm trying to figure out what, as besides playing well and taking advantage of your opportunities, as the team who's being kind of screwed out of time, uh, the officials can do something about that or we can execute better. What do you do in a scenario like that when the other team's wasting time? Do you start crowding around the other team and start yelling at them like a lot of the teams in other leagues do? What do you do in that case? Um... If you want a team to stop time wasting, just take their advantage of them. If if you go ahead, like Paul said, if you take the lead, they can't do it. What's the mm-hmm. point? They're defending a defeat. So I honestly, time wasting is only effective if you're drawing or losing as the as yourself, if the other team are winning. They were drawing for the majority of that game. They only led for about was it ninety seconds or whatever it was, a very short amount of time they had the lead. So for more or less all of that game, they had were defending a point. If at any stage we could get through them, we could find a way through, and we'd went in the lead, they wouldn't have been doing it. So, I mean, I could go on all night about how poor the officiating has been so far in the league, on several different aspects. So it's just been poor, poor, poor from the start of the kickoff um, throughout the season. Um, but that's always going to be the way. You, you, you're always going to get inconsistent referees. There's no. There's no VAR, there's no trick that'll stop teams time wasting, they'll always do it. So just just take the advantage of time wasting off them. All in agreement here, what you what you have to do is create more opportunities and actually execute them. You know, when you you know, yeah. you need to we we weren't creating many opportunities and the ones we did create flew over the bar. Um so yeah, I uh, I will point out Tosin getting punched in the face. Um yeah, that's a yeah, thing that happened. Yeah. And uh, Mounier took a swing at Holgate after Holgate had been holding onto his shirt. Literally turned around and did that to him. Didn't hit him, but it's okay to do that in the Premier League. Don't nudge anybody with your forehead, though. That's the that's the lesson here. All right, yeah. you can take a swing, just don't let it hit anybody. 
Unless you're Phil Bardsley against yeah. Man United. I was trying to explain that situation to my six-year-old son, trying to explain why one got a red card and the other one got to just take the person's legs. You know what I mean? It's so hard to explain to a six-year-old because he thinks it's dumb. Yeah. <laughs> but even after that, mm-hmm. they put heads together and Bardsley puts his head in forward more aggressively, well, about the same, if not a little bit more aggressively than yeah. Richarlison did. And... He got a yellow card like for the identical identical offence just because um, Rashford had retaliated. It's just the referees are ridiculous. That's the worst one of double standards I've ever seen. Same play, same offence. Two players got different punishments. It's not right when an official can just make us a, a really bad call and then he can just walk off and have to explain himself. That wouldn't be tolerated in any other line of work that I can think of. If you are you can you are getting things wrong. Mm that badly consistently then something would happen something whoever is in charge of the referees whoever's deciding to hand the deciding you know your premier league quality level refereeing you only referee the premier league games whoever decides that whether i think it's mike ashley still <laughs> not mike oh my god mike riley i think his name is mike riley the, the former united guy i think he's um still the i think he, i can't remember what his title is he's the head of the referee association He's been in charge for about 10 years of that, and the last 10 years, officiating in this country has gone down the toilet, and it can't be a coincidence. Just referees, I understand they've got a very hard job. I understand that it's... So what they have to put up with is something that the average person probably can't, wouldn't be able to deal with, but there's just too many referees in this country. Officials as well, linesmen, are, are, are quite bad. They just make terrible calls consistently, and they're not reprimanded, seemingly. And whenever anyone calls them out on it, whether it's a manager, whether it's a player whether it's a, pun, a, a pundit who used to be a player, whether it's a, even a TV presenter, they suddenly get people screaming at them saying, oh, you can't say this about referees, leave referees alone, referees are the victims, blah, 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 blah. No, I'm sorry. I, I agree with some of that to a point, but there should be a point where a referee is held accountable and he should be forced to sit in a studio and say, okay, why did you make that call? And do you feel that call to say about that call now that you've watched it back on TV? Because one referee's mistake could be the result in a team getting relegated or it could be the result of qualifying for the Champions League and not win, not qualifying for the Champions League it could cost the club millions based on one person's human error and if he makes a human error they should be forced to explain themselves for it so that's just where I stand referees I really want to see some more responsibility taken by whoever is in charge the FA the referee association whoever whoever is in charge of this just you have to do something because this um, standard is terrible are there any <clears throat> are there any songs or chants about poor officiating? Is that something that actually happens? Please tell me there. Uh, please tell me that happens because I don't hear it, but it's hard to, to you know actually understand the words when you're watching on TV. But there has to be. Yeah, there's um, the referees a wanker. It's quite the the common one. <laughs> it's very British, but yeah, the referees a wanker. The they're the most widely used, okay. and yeah, <laughs> there was there was a there was a, a one off funny one a couple of years ago. I think we were playing Arsenal, and someone was shouting. Um, just it was I just it was kind of a spare of the moment type thing. Who's the Cockney? Who's the Cockney? Who's the Cockney in the black? And he was giving them absolutely everything. So that was just a spare of the moment one. But yeah, the one Terry okay, said that because I feel like it's been pretty too. merited lately. Um, three word reviews. All right. Uh, the 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 question was put out on Twitter. What are your three word reviews on this particular match? Um, Mr. Blue Sky at Bobby B A F C said work in progress. 
That's fair. Uh, Paul Shanahan at Paul Shaner's 10 says Zuma looks good. Yes, he does. Um, Earthling Paul at my only Everton says uh, we'll be all right. He used a contraction, so technically it's three words. Uh, Adrian at Adrian Hogg says on to the next. Uh, Simo, Simo, S-I-M-O at Andy Simo 5 says zonal skid marking. I think that's my favorite. That's gross and so apt. Uh, And Big Mo Schneiderlin Yellow Streak at Charlatan EFC asks, is Allardyce back? It really felt like (laughs) it on Saturday. (laughs) Um, And uh, just really quick, we will say Lookman did play. That happened. That is something that happened. Lookman played. So, um, actually almost set up a goal, too. So, um, yeah, could have been worse. Um, All right, so I guess that's it, guys, uh, for our Huddersfield reaction. Talking about Tom Davies, what to do with Tom Davies. Very polarizing figure uh, all over social media, all over the, the world, and also all over... This fam. These two guys, uh, they have differing views on all Tom. And uh, right now, I'm going to see where I fall after hearing these guys out. I have a feeling I'm probably going to agree with both of them in one way or another because I'm just a sappy, kind fellow. Uh, so, gentlemen, each of you, I, I will begin with with Paul because I started with Terry last, last one. Uh, make your Davis statement. <laughs> Your opening statement, please, gentlemen. Uh, Paul, uh, what do you got about Tom? What do we do with this guy? I want to preface this in the sense that I don't hate Davis. I want Davis to succeed just as much as anybody. And I think Davis will succeed long term, providing that he is coached properly and used properly. But over the past year, basically, since since Ronald Koeman went, basically, Tom Davis's level of performances have just consistently not been good enough. For me, he's played far more than any other young player. He's not been injured at all in that time, so it's not even like he's you know he's been in and out. He's been stop start. He's played an awful lot of games, probably overloaded, and just the amount of performances where I thought, yeah, he really made a difference today. He really, you know, the team was better for having him there. Are just the few and far between, and they have been for a while. He was he's very very poor against Bournemouth. He was for me the worst player against Huddersfield. He was comfortably the worst player on the pitch and he played the full 90. Now, I know that's not his fault. I know he doesn't pick himself. I know he can't decide to take himself off. But for me, he's being put in the spotlight too much. I didn't agree with him being made captain in the Carabao Cup because I thought that put a spotlight on him that was unnecessary. That was going to get a lot of people talking about him. I would have played him, but I would not have given the captaincy. And to play him again during this week... Now, I know we've got a few injury problems, but... For me, Davis is not developed enough yet to be a starter in our team consistently. I think Davis is still at the point where if he's if he's going to not go out on loan, then he has to be playing between 20 to 25 games. He can't be playing close to 30, over 30 for me, even in a season if we had Europe, which we don't this season. I just think he's very, very young. He's very, very raw. He does have qualities there to work with. But my point on him is a lot of the criticism he's getting 
a lot of it is valid and a lot of it is justified. I know there's always a couple of idiots who go over the top, but a lot of the criticism he's getting is deserved. And I think people who are getting to the stage where they're fed up now and they feel like, no, this kid needs to be, he needs a bit of tough love now. It's not fair that just because he's local and because he's got a bit of a quirky personality, people just don't want to hear a word against him. When there's a lot of players who are not local and don't have the background that he's got, who didn't get anywhere near the amount of opportunities that he got, and yet they were told to basically sod off, and that everyone, no one's glad, no nobody's sad to see them go. Whereas players like Davis, he's been given far more opportunities than a lot of them, and for a long time now, he's not made good on any of them. So my point on him is, I think he's a good player quality wise, but he's been not good enough recently, and the book needs it, it needs to stop now. Terry, your opening statement, sir. Right. Um, Tom Davis was a kid who made his debut under Ronald Koeman halfway through his first season. And when he came into the side, he was very, very young. He was, I think he was 17, 17 maybe just about to take, yeah, 17 to 18. When he came into the side, he was full of energy, full of good movement, full of so just he had it. He came into the team and he, he freshened up the midfield. He took um, Adrissa Guy's place at first, and then not a couple of games later, he was part of a middle three with Schneiderlin, who was still playing really well at that point, uh, Adrissa Gay and him, and that was the middle three. And his role was to make the breaks forward from that middle three. He wasn't a number ten. He didn't sit off the striker. He didn't do any of that. He would just make the run be on the striker from deep. He thrived in that position. He played really well at that time. He was he looked like he was going to be the next big thing, for, following on from Ross Barkley, who'd cooled off a lot at that point. Then, the next season, in the summer, we bought an array of, of players, especially in midfield. Tom Davis then fell down the pecking order. We all know what happened to the team in the big picture, when it was a mess and it needed fixing. And... Tom Davies then only came back into the team under Sam Allardyce. Now, in two years, two and a bit years, that he's been a, fit, a regular first-team player, as in like a senior squad player, he's had three different managers who are all very different in style. He's had his development stopped and started. He's been played in a variety of positions. He's played, uh, he's played all types of different midfield roles. Some of them he's good at, some of them he isn't. His confidence will be on the floor. People people give him more abuse than they give any other player. I'm not going to sit here and suggest that he's not playing badly when he is playing badly. He's having a run of poor games. But where has it got to the point now where young players don't uh, once they play badly for a couple of games or they spell or even half a season, you just forget about them and farm them out on loan. They need to play their way through it. Tom Davis is not going to be the first team choice when everyone is fit in this team. But at the minute, he he is the depth. And he's there's an injury crisis in midfield, so he is starting games. OK, Huddersfield, terrible game. He was poor. But people forget, because he's been around for a few years, that he's 20 years old. He's still very young. He's had no... No coherent development as a player since he broke into the team because the, the club has not been in a position to give him that. He's had his position changed, his manager changed, that all the messages he's taken in, he'll have had Koeman telling him to do one, do it one way. He'll have had Allardyce telling him to do another. Now he's got Silver telling him to do another. He needs to play his way through it. 
he could still come good. He, sh- I still believe he will come good. I think it's ridiculous the amount of venom he gets. I don't know whether it's because he's a young player, people like expect more of him, or it's easier to criticise a young player who's local. I don't think that protects him. I think that hurts him more than anything. And I think when did we get to the point where we didn't look after our young players as supporters, and we started, I don't know, just picking on them because I think Davis gets it worse than any other player. I really do. I think he gets it worse than any of the the foreign players, anything like that. I just think we need to relax and sort of take a step back and just realise he's a young kid who's trying to learn the game as he's going along. He's not even 21 yet and he's had more upheaval in his career than some players have before they're 28. All right. So seemingly, let me get this straight, make sure I'm on the same page with you guys. Um, All of us agree that he's not a starter in this team right now, right? No. When everyone else is healthy, when everyone is healthy, he is not a starter. He is on the bench. He's depth, correct? Do we all agree with that? Yes. No. Oh, you no, don't? Not you, quite. You think he might if, be a starter? As in, if everyone was fit tomorrow, he wouldn't start because he's playing badly and Schneiderlin has come into form. Whereas last season, it was the opposite. Schneiderlin didn't deserve to play no. towards the back end of the totally season. Agree and with if, that. If, if Tom Davies was to, if you were to snap your fingers, and Tom Davies would get his, his his mojo back and go back to the way he was with uh, Ronald Koeman when he first broke in. I think Davis would be a serious shelter playing centre midfield ahead of Morgan Schneiderlin if all these parameters were met. But as things stand now, no, he wouldn't be. But long term, I'd have him in the team a lot quicker than most. Long term is a little bit different, and I I will get get there in just a, just a minute because I like the kid. You know, my hell, I like I like Tom Davies so much. Uh, one of his the goal he scored against City, I took that and I cut it side by side with a goal that my kids scored in indoor, and I put it to <laughs> dueling banjos because they it was like the same moves. You know what I mean? It was really cool. And my kids' first kit, it's Tom Davies. You know, it's my. I feel like my kid's the only kid with a Tom Davies kit in all of North Carolina. I don't think any other kid has that. I'm a big, and I like the fact that he's unique, he's different, he is, he's cool. He's cooler than I am. I've never been cool. It's just, but, uh, but with, but I watching, watching that game today, watching, uh, re-watching it, um, and he gives the ball away so much. However, he wasn't the only one giving that ball away repeatedly. Were there other players who have, perfor- lately, who have performed poorly that are not getting the same criticism that kind of, that might support your point Terry that you were talking about how maybe he's catching it worse than other players should be getting it um not so much um Coleman for the past two games has been pretty poor. that's sort of the he one I had in mind <laughs> I love that's Coleman. Not that, that, that's not fair in my opinion but it's okay you, you get you get your chance but no, it's not it's not the same Davis has been playing poorly a lot longer than Coleman as Coleman's is only two games but what I mean it, people are so quick to to spit acid, spit venom at Tom Davis, but they won't for some of the players. It takes a lot more. How long did it take for people to turn around on Schneiderlin? Schneiderlin was strolling about the pitch all season last season, and people only really started to get onto him when it was December. Like And Sigurdsson had a run of poor games. Now, these are good players, and they've, they've played their way back out of form. 
back into form rather. But Tom Davis seems to be, I don't know whether he's younger or because he's local or because he's trendy. I mean, that doesn't come into it for me, but it might for others. He, They've got no patience with him. He's a, he's a 20-year-old player. How many other 20-year-old players in the Premier League would get the amount of abuse that he gets from his own supporters when he when he puts a ball to play or or misses his touch? Or I just think it's ridiculous. I just think we've got a hair trigger for Tom Davis. Paul, you've been wanting the floor. You've got it. <laughs> no, there's, there's just there's a few things there. I just I categorically couldn't disagree with more. You, we'll start with Schneidlin. Schneidlin, yeah, it was poor from the start of the season to about December when it really blew up on him. Tom Davis, I want to say, he's not going through a poor run of form. This has been his run of form since Christmas. That's a really, really, really long run. I'm not saying that this is this is him. He's, he's levelled off now, not at all. But when was the last time he had a good run of form? When was the last, he was- last time he had like, three or four games where you think where absolutely he was great? I can't figure that since Koeman went. I, he was, I think... He was on, good last season. He, he was good last season when it was... When? Um, Davies, Garner and Rooney were in the team and it started with that Leicester performance where Coleman first came back Davies at that point in a, in a middle three with Garner and Rooney that was the middle three and he was playing well at that point which was past Christmas He's he was playing poor from about the last three or four games of last season into this season it's not doesn't stretch back it's been longer than that doesn't. he was dropped he was dropped by Sam Allardyce and was told pretty much that his gate, he had to do something more in his gate. He said that himself. Said I went to the manager and said, "Where can I improve? I know that I haven't been as well, I haven't performed as well as I have, could have done." He was very. He, he, he took a while to get back into the team when Cooman went. He finally got back in on under Allardyce. He didn't really do much. Did he, he think he got a goal? I can't remember who it was against. It was at the Gladys Street end. It wasn't Southampton. It was another one. Um, he got. It was around February March time, something like that. That was his first goal all season. But what I'm saying is. Everyone's saying, yeah, he get, I can't think of a 20-year-old who gets as much abuse. I can't think of a 20-year-old in the league who's been given, who's had that many games. He's played well over 50 league games now, probably more than that, maybe, maybe past 60. And less than half those performances have said to me, yeah, you look a real, you look quality, you. A lot of those games, he's just been completely forgettable or he's been, he's been a hindrance on the pitch and he doesn't deserve to be there. I want to stress this again. I'm not saying just give up on the lad, throw him in the bin. He's rubbish. But all I'm saying is, the lad, you can't keep playing that badly for a club like ourselves who are aiming for what we're apparently aiming for. Would, would any other top six team have a 20-year-old in their, in, in their team and he can have 20, 30, 35, 40 really poor games out of about 50 or 60 and they just say, oh, leave him alone. No, no, it would be a case of, no, the kid's not quite ready. Let's pull him back a little bit. Let's rein him in. He's getting too much. He's getting a lot of criticism because there's a lot of other young young players there, or maybe not in young, but a lot of old players who are in a similar predicament to him who didn't get anywhere near the opportunities he's got and basically got told to get out. Players like Bersic, who had his injuries, but he's basically been fit, fully fit for a year. He got that injury in Koeman's first summer and he came back at the start of Koeman's second summer and he was fully fit. He was at the club from August to December when Koeman went. Didn't get a kick during that formal period, did not get a game. And was basically farmed off on loan to Middlesbrough and told, yeah, you're not wanted here. He's come back this summer, worked his backside off in the summer, in this pre-season, to get another chance. Didn't get another chance. Got told, yeah, get out again. You're not good enough. Same with players like Dal. He's still here, but he's another young kid who's not got anywhere near the opportunities when he arguably deserves them. Another player, I don't even like Blassie, but another player like Blassie who was coming off a serious injury. You're rubbish. You're not good enough. Get rid of him. No one's going to miss him. 
No, hang, hang on, he's coming off a really bad injury. He's not played anywhere near the level of performance, level of games. He's not had anywhere near the level of minutes Davis has. He's probably made more contributions in the games he has done than Davis has for the vast majority of the past eight months. And yet, again, he's still hounded out and laughed at. Get out, you're not good enough. Players like Vesic is the one who sticks. Vlasic is a good, a good one. We'll play like Vlasic. He was dying last season. He didn't get a kick. He didn't get a chance. And now he's been farmed off to Bosco. Yeah, come back in a year and we'll find there's a place for you. I, w- I don't blame a player like Vlasic or a player like Blesic. If they're sat on the, wherever they are now in Middlesbrough or Russia, they're sat in their hotel and they think, but, all right, I've been told to get out and I'm not good enough when I didn't get a chance. Whereas that other guy there, who I, who's just because he's local, he's got a lot more chances than me. And if I had the amount of games he had, I wouldn't put in that many bad performances. I just think there's a double standard, yeah, but I think people are giving him a double standard just because he's local and he's got a quirky personality. I do like the kid. I don't want to dump on him. I don't want to sound like I just want to get rid of him and never see him again. But I think people are getting far too defensive about it. And he deserves a lot of the criticism he's getting. And the people who are criticising him shouldn't be just scolded and told, no, you haven't got a clue. Leave this young lad alone. Okay, Terry, you've raised your hand <laughs> really quick before before you chime in. I would say uh, you mentioned Besic and Vlasic. There is a chance, and we because we don't know the the whole situation. There's a chance that uh, Silva said, "Look, if you stay, you're probably not going to get much first team football." Okay, it could be that they chose maybe because they de- they wanted guaranteed minutes. It's possible. I'm just and we don't know maybe. that. I just mentioned that because yeah. I'm the devil's advocate, Goober. <laughs> Can't help yeah. it. So anyway, Terry, you were you were about to you had you had a question or or a statement, sir. Yeah, um, I'll just quickly touch on the, the other players you mentioned. Bezic said he wanted to go to Middlesbrough. He asked to go to Middlesbrough. That was his desire. He wanted to go there. So that's not really. He said he wants to stay. He said he wants to stay at Everton in the preseason. He was but told not- basically you're not you're not going to get in the team, and I don't get why he's been told he's not going to in the team. And Davis is. That's it's my point. Do I don't know why Davis is getting picked over him. That's nothing to do with Tom Davis, though. I would. No, but what I'm saying is, Bessage didn't slam the door down saying, "I don't want to be here." That's he. He wanted to stay and was basically told what Jerry you... said: "If if you want to stay, then there's no guarantees." Terry, what do you got? Um. Well, first of all, you don't know what's gone on. He's the the public statements are: "I wanted to move to Middlesbrough. I'm, I wanted to come here because I enjoyed it last season. I'm going to play." Vlasic was told to train by himself, so you don't know what's gone behind the scenes there, but to come here. Now, I would have kept Bezic. I've not got a problem with Bezic. I think he's a good player. And Vlasic, whatever. Tom Davis, you say he's played 40, 50, 60 games and been poor in a good chunk of them, half of them. How is that all his fault? How many managers did he have in that time? How many different positions? How many different partners? I'm not saying he played well in all those games. I've got eyes the same as you. He didn't. He played poor in a lot of those games. What my argument is, is it's not his fault a lot of the time. He's a kid. In a lot of these games, he was a teenager still. And he's playing in Premier League games with managers like Allardyce, who want him to do one thing. Some of them are with Koeman, who want him to do another thing. Then it's got Unsworth. He's not being protected as a young player. He's being taken in and out the side. He's being asked to do different jobs. And then because he's struggling with it, young players will struggle. He's getting abuse off the crowd. He's getting his own supporters on his back. He's not getting booed or whatnot by opposition crowds. He's getting abuse screamed at him by his own uh, his own fans. Uh, he, it's not his fault. A lot of it that it's. I know we some people 
like him because of his quirky personality or think that, you know, oh, being a kid shouldn't protect you. And some people think, well, he is, a, like myself, he is a kid. People need to calm down. It's You can't expect a 19, 20-year-old to be held to the same standard as Bezic, for example. If Bezic came in and played as badly as he did, Bezic is an international footballer. It's different. You can expect different things off different players based on their status. We are treating this 20-year-old kid like he's been here for 15 years in the first team and he's playing really badly through... And it's, in, and it's in the position he's always played in. I don't think it's his fault, and I think we're being ridiculous about Davis as a fan base. So I was thinking about last season when John Joe Kinney got a long run at right back. Um, and I think, on the whole, we saw some positives, but I think all of us kind of saw a difference when Coleman came back into the squad. I think Coleman, as a, I think we would say... Coleman is a proper right back in the league. But John Joe Kinney shows flickers but isn't quite there. I think that's a fair way of putting that. I think it was great experience, but the situation dictated he had to play, right? Um, And I feel like that's where we're at right now with Davies, though, is I feel like based on who we had available on Saturday, he had to play, right? That's sort of – and – you know, because and I, I, I don't know. I compare those two guys to Dowell and Lookman, other players that I want to get minutes, but I don't really want them starting over certain other players at this moment because I feel like they're not quite there. Okay, Lookman may just be all in his head. Okay, but he's just I don't want him starting right now. Um, Dowell, I feel like he's cigarettes and light, but a little less consistency. You know what I mean? Uh, and Kenny, I. It was exciting to watch him play last week, right? You know, if, if he had a great game. Um, but that's still not the Premier League. I, I think what we're talking about is, after kind of weighing what you guys are saying, I think both, both of you do have good points. You know, I think these are, these are quality backups right now. They're quality backups. You know, and, and Paul, you said that, right, about Davis. How about you said you don't want to get rid of him, right? You said you said you just wanted oh, to no, be treated fairly. In ter- so there, really, the discussion between you two guys, the the friction, the point of contention, is how he's being treated at the moment. Not really his play. It's more about Terry feels like he should be treated. We sh- he should be treated more gently because because he's a young guy and, and it, he hasn't been in a fair situation the past few years. And Paul says, you know what? He's a Premier League footballer, and let's treat him that way. All right. That's kind of I feel like our audience may be completely on board with both of you and it's just down the middle seriously, okay? Um so I'm not going to sit there and say that you guys are flat out wrong uh about any of this stuff. I think you all bring up both bring up really good points and they're fair. They are fair. It just depends on how you view your team. You know, how do you view this? Um yeah. I don't know. Sometimes tough love is good, and sometimes an arm around the shoulder is good. What do, what do, what do we do <laughs> as supporters? You know, there are times where I, when Tom gave the ball away, I was just saying bad words at the screen. Like, what are you thinking? That guy was, that was too small of a window. You were not going to get that through, you know? Um, and then there are other times where I'm like, oh, Tom, that was safe. That was well done. You know, way to way to knock that ball loose. So, yeah, he's he's polarizing right now. Um, 
I feel like we always have one local guy that's polarizing, right? That we just have to decide how we feel about them, you know, because if they're not in a good run of form, right? Yeah, before him, it was Osman, to be honest. Osman had, had his lovers, Osman had his detractors. But the thing I'll say about Davis is I like a lot of what Davis does, and I think there's he's going to come good. I do believe that he is going to become a great player. But, and there's been a lot of other local players over the past decade or two decades who you kind of think, yeah, you ain't a local guy. I don't see you getting in many other teams. Right? I do think there's a lot of other clubs in the country that would take Davis if they had the chance to. I think that's the big difference between him and a lot of other guys. I think only him and Rooney, maybe. Rooney, Barkley, you could throw Barkley as well. They're the only three local guys who've come through in the past three years where I think there's a lot of other clubs in the country that would love to have him, but there's kind of a lot of other guys who just coasted and people saw that, kind of got annoyed eventually. You know, the, the crap, the, the, the bad, the unfortunate thing is I feel like the kinks in Tom's game, the main kinks, are sloppy passing and i feel like the game is moving too quickly for him right now for his brain and the only way that goes away is minutes that's the only way it's gonna go away so it depends on when he gets those minutes right no my my point would be though he's had Mm. an awful lot of minutes and a lot of players haven't had anywhere near the amount of minutes and they were basically thrown on the scrap heap and there's certain players who just I think what's annoying a lot of his detractors, like myself, is there's a there's a feeling that you can't dare criticise him, otherwise people will just jump on you and say, you don't know what you're talking about, leave him alone. It's like, no, if he's going to play that badly, and he's going to play that badly in an awful lot of games, because the amount of bad games he's had does vastly outnumber the amount of good games he's had in the past 12 months, easily. And I know what he said, it's not all his fault, but there's just sometimes you think, no, as you said, Jerry, no, it's, it's enough of the arm around the shoulder now. You do need a bit of a, a, bit, a bit of tough love. If you are going to become the player we think you're going to become, then you can't just be constantly being thrown in the team and allowed to just be loved. It's like, no, at some point you have to kind of earn the adoration that you're getting. And I just don't think he's done enough of that in the past. Yeah, I hope I hope he's going to do that. I, I want him to succeed more than anybody, but I'm just trying to be as real a situation I can. I think just by telling him he's great and leave him alone, that's, that's going to do more harm than good in the long run, I think. I think too much spotlight is getting put on him. And he needs to be reined in and taken out the line of fire a bit more rather than just, no, leave him to it. It will all work itself out and it's all going to be a happy fairy tale ending. We don't know uh, that. The irony is he kind of got started. His his breakthrough was with Kuman, who's like the opposite of the arm around the shoulder. Kind of funny how that how that works, you know? <laughs> and he, he, he play, my argument would be, my argument would be he, he played did. best under Kuman. That was the best run of his career mm-hmm. was under Kuman. That would be my argument. You say he needs men. My argument would be, no, when he was given the tough love approach, he responded best. And since the tough love approach, I don't know what's happened with, I don't know what our dice was like, but since the tough love approach seems to have gone, then that's when his mm-hmm. form has decreased. That's my argument. The tough love approach was working. It could work again. Or I. it's been a long enough period now where I want to see it. All right, Terry, again. one last word from you, because I've been hogging your time to talk. <laughs> no, I, I think... Uh... I don't think we're going to agree. Um, I think you should get the uh, the last word. He he thinks what he thinks, and I think what I think, and I'm sure the uh, the people who comment and will watch will will be the judge of uh, who they agree with. It, the, neither are wrong, neither are right. It's all shades of grey. That's with every player and every game and every team. So we'll opinions, eh? There you go. It's, I feel like it, yeah, as, and as long as you can defend it with with evidence and points, I'm always going to listen. Just saying. 
All right, so guys, uh, that's it for our our Davies. Uh, I guess it was a 15 round bout just then. Let's check the scorecards. Uh, scorecards will be your comments. What do you think about that? Uh, anyway, uh, that's it for our Davies segment. Uh, so, guys, this story is from October 2013. All right, and this is kind of a remember when segment. Uh, the headline is Red Bull looking to buy English football club and take them into the Champions League. Uh, English energy drinks, uh, energy drinks firm are looking to add an English club to their sporting portfolio and take them into the Champions League. Billionaires Red Bull want to buy a football club in England and give it wings. <laughs> to make it to make it big. Uh, and and uh, so, yeah, this is from the mirror, by the way. And I think they're quoting Alan Nixon and the People, who I, n- I think now is with a different publication. Let's say that. Uh, the, uh, the, Aus- this, the Austrian-based energy drinks firm are on the lookout for a suitable club with Anglophile coach Ralph Ragnick, sporting director of Red Bull Salzburg, heading the search. Uh, as well as Austrian league leaders Salzburg, Red Bull already owns clubs in Germany, New York, Brazil, and Ghana. Um, basically, uh, yeah, they want... They, they were looking for an English team, and they were looking for a Premier League team, but they didn't want a championship one. He said that you can spend fortunes there and not make any progress. So, strange story, and I actually do remember this, because this was in my window of being a supporter. Um, what would have been the advantages a move like this could have brought uh, to the club and we can and then we'll go let's focus on advantages for now and then we'll talk about the the intense drawbacks so uh terry you want to start with this one um i can't see there being many i mean it, if it were to if it had have happened more money to spend at a time when money went further would have been the key we came into reasonable amounts of money and in, in the context of today just as money was starting to be worthless. So we got a billionaire when billionaires um, were no longer all you needed to get by. The transfer market blew up after the Pogba deal and after the Neymar deal. Um, So 2013, to have billionaires in charge, I suppose we would have been a lot further along um, in our development as a club than we are right now because we'd have had a leg up on other teams with that amount of money. But that's probably not worth the the drawbacks. But that would have been an advantage, I suppose. Paul, we'd have probably got rid of Chang beer a lot quicker than we ended up doing. We'd have saved ourselves three or four years of that. And yeah, as Teddy said, we probably could have signed a twenty million pound striker when a twenty million pound striker would get you top four, or signed a just signed a lot of players and probably progressed a lot quicker than we want to progress for Red Bull Red Bull I mean would you like the idea of being caught Red Bull Everton no no you know that's that's, that's a big one you can't be called um, Red Bull Everton you, I, I don't think anyway the, uh, maybe it's just in Germany but that's why it's RB Leipzig not Red Bull mm-hmm. Leipzig oh, well, well would, would you want to be would you want to be RB Everton then uh, do, do you know what I mean if 
at the time, I, this was during a period where you know we, we were still paupers, basically. Michelle hadn't come along yet. It was still old Blue Bill in charge. We're, we had no money. We're selling our best players every season. We're David Moyes is scraping by. Was David Moyes in chat? No, I think he just left David Moyes, hadn't he? Um, yeah, but it, it was, was October was still at, of 2013. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was just at the start of Martin's year, but it was during that period we were still seen as a team that was just punching above our weight and had no money every season. So I can see why fans got excited about the times. Like, oh, great, we're going to get our own sugar daddy. We're going to be signing great players. We're going to be finally one of the big boys again. But looking back in hindsight now, I think it would have been a, probably not the right move. We'd have probably... I think the club would have lost a lot of soul had we done that, to be honest. And I think soul is a very, very underrated thing in modern-day football. Uh, also potentially losing branding. Uh, yeah. That's one of the things you see. A lot of these teams, they you know change colors. Uh, and Artists, yeah, right? yeah. Uh, and so, what was that? Yeah, your crest changes all the time, doesn't it? Your badge. Mm. Like the always like the, well, the, the, we probably wouldn't have had that monstrosity for the season. That's the a, beehive. Just, <laughs> yeah, the, the Fisher Price badge yeah. <laughs> couldn't have been any worse than that. Well, uh, to give you one um, one positive, it, we could have not been RB Everton, but we could have been in the Red Bull Arena like a lot quicker. We could uh, we could have a new stadium by now. I mean, it's all pie in the sky. But if you were looking for positives, that might mm-hmm. have been one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I think that would have been nice. I don't know if it would have been a waterfront situation. Uh, mm. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's it, that's the question is based on our situation now, which is better than it was in 2013, um, worth the wait. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I, I think it was worth the wait, frankly. Mm-hmm. I'm... Mm-hmm ecstatic that we're not RB Everton with any kind of red on our shirts. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. We don't, we don't need that. <laughs> yeah. I think if, if you go back and say to an Ever, any of most Evertonians in, let's say 2012, the year before this, mm-hmm. you can either be RB Everton and have the Red Bull Arena, a big brand, spanking new stadium, I'd sign some 20 million, 30 million players now and be that t- and be a, that team you want to be by 2015, but it means being RB Everton and you know losing a lot of what what we class as the soul of the club. You can have be that now, or you can hang on for your four more seasons, and then you can have a an owner who is based in Britain. We see him all the time. He's not some faceless figure from Germany, like I imagine a guy who would have run RB is. It would have been an owner who we see in the flesh, as an owner who we hear from. We'll get a stadium on the waterfront again. I, I've I can't imagine any supporter thought that was going to happen after we lost the King's Dock. So you can have a wait five years and have an owner who is a billionaire. He's visible. You know who he is. He's going to speak to us and we can have the stadium on the waterfront again. Or we can have a new owner from Germany who no one's heard of, really. Or no one no one really knows who they are, really. They just seem like shadowy figures. There's a good chance the club's name's going to change. There's a good chance we're going to get tied into a lot of commercial deals that people kind of don't feel comfortable with. So I think if you'd have said that to an Eddie Everton fan, they would be happy with what we've got now and not what you what we could have had then. Yeah, it's a tough call when you're trying to consider the soul of what you're doing versus financial gain. That, yeah. I think, is a difficult question that most people have to face often. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, the fact that our club had to had to deal with it as well. Same questions. 
Potentially. That's the thing. Did this actually happen? Was this actually a thing? You know what I mean? Like, I, I see the, the, the looks on both you guys' faces like you smell something. That's a pretty, that's a good way of, yeah. I would, I would, I would file this one under Vince McMahon wants to buy Newcastle. That was a, that was, that's the that's the greatest transfer um, take over club take over story I heard. Vince McMahon wanted to buy Newcastle. That was, I think I'd fi- I think that's not too far behind. This That'd be great. I like the idea of him bringing in the Undertaker to as as sporting director and yeah, let's <laughs> yeah, let's, let's have no, X Pac X Pac comes in. <laughs> yes, the. Um... A guest director of football every single week. <laughs> Jim Ross Stadium announcer. Uh, yeah. he, he, they dictate all their player goal celebrations by making them do like <laughs> wrestler celebrations. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, actually, this is starting to sound kind of fun. If I'm honest, <laughs> why didn't that Not happen? Red Bull, oh no, no, no. Red Bull's no. a little different. That's less fun. Uh, all right, guys. So, yeah. This was a stroll down uh, a possible memory lane. Uh, so I guess that's it for our Remember Red Bull Everton question mark uh, segment. Uh, so, gentlemen, we're going to wrap up coverage this week with transfer rumors of the past. There should be an echo there. Um <laughs> I just can't speak with an echo anymore. Uh, so, uh, guys, let's. Uh, this is apparently a thing uh, from November twenty sixth, two thousand and ten. Uh, we are uh, going to be going through uh, th- this one that happened. Uh, I didn't know this was a thing. Um, David Moyes offers David Beckham short term loan chance at Everton. Uh, David Beckham has been offered the chance to return to the Premier League by Everton after David Moyes revealed that he would be keen to secure the former England captain on a short-term loan from LA Galaxy during the midwinter transfer window. Um, yeah, it's uh, from The Guardian, that story. And uh, yeah, and apparently they were waiting to find out what the deal was with Landon Donovan, whether or not he would be coming back. I believe that year he did not. But I think the years after that, he did uh, arrive. But uh, Beckham was 35 at the time. Uh, short-term loan, 35-year-old. Uh, good idea, guys. Paul, you want to start that one off? They sold a lot of shirts. Would have got a lot of interest off the pitch. So would he have made a great difference on the field? Mm. Uh, who do we have on the wings at the time? Do we still have Billy Aletinov? Victor and yeah, I remember, well. I remember it clearly. So it was Victor Nichibi. He was the right mid at that well, point. Well, yeah, yes, yes. Then he would have made a good impact on the pitch. But yeah, if that would have happened, it would have just been a publicity stunt. Really, I don't really think there was much in that. I, I know David Moyes seemed to have a lot of you know connections over in the MLS. Didn't he? he got he got linked with quite a few MLS players, and he signed quite. There was quite a lot of MLS kids signed for the Everton Academy. I don't think any of them made it ultimately, but yeah, David Moyes just seemed to always have a have a flitting interest in players that were doing well in MLS, and this was just a an easy story to write, wasn't it? Yeah, well, David Moyes had actually managed Beckham before when he was a kid, because when David Moyes was manager of 
Preston. No, sorry, I tell a lie. He didn't manage him. He played with him. So we had played a connect- with him. It's in the story. I didn't get to that uh, part. I was going to get there. Well, <laughs> yeah, he played at Preston with Beckham when he went on loan to to Preston when he was a young kid. Uh, so we did have connections. So I can see why these pieces fit. Probably wasn't true. Probably, I mean, at that point, Beckham is just a brand in his own right. I think it would have been quite good for the club's marketing department, at the very least, would have given a massive shot in the arm just to be co-branded with the Beckham brand. But on the pitch, I mean, he was probably a lot. He was probably too slow at that point. Um, delivery was really good. But as Paul mentioned, I think we had Billy Letinov at that time, who was another slow player with a with good he was good who had good crosses and good shots but it was it's all about pace Beckham was getting too slow for the MLS at that point so it probably wasn't true uh yeah um I think his t- two short-term loans before that were with Milan and he had scored two goals in those two loans and had like seven assists so that tells you his service was still solid but, yeah, I th- uh, think I think he was very well thought of in Milan, wasn't he? I th- he was he was he injured for the twenty twenty the twenty ten World Cup? I think, and I remember he definitely went. He went yes. as a bit of a side. Yeah, he he yeah. did something to his Achilles, I think. Yeah, he went as kind of a bit of a sideshow, like a cheerleader. And I remember it being a bit of a story, like, oh, if he's not going to play. Why is he there? But the point I'm making is, had he not been injured, he had a good shout to be in the World Cup squad because he'd done so well in his loan to Milan. So well, played him. He did well at Milan because Serie A is a lot slower. Wouldn't have worked here. It was still all about pace. Yeah, true. But mm. yeah, what I'm saying is basically his career didn't go out like with a whimper, did it? Really? He can, you know, he, he still played at a fairly high level till his last day. Didn't he finish at Paris Saint Germain? Yes. Yes. So yes, yeah, Beckham, earlier, yeah. yeah, Beckham was one of those rare players who kind of went out on his own terms at a very high level. He didn't just kind of fade away, and uh, he hadn't been. You know, he, he hadn't been any good to anybody for years, like a Michael Owen or an, um, an Emil Heskey. Players, England players from the same generation as him. Uh, yeah, evidently he was he was uh, close with Phil Neville as well, and David <laughs> Moyes just kind of put it out there, like, "Hey, he'll well, maybe he'll give me a call or Phil Neville." You know, it's just kind of I don't know. I don't know how serious this was. It seems to me like he's just kind of name dropping to kind of get the pot stirring, but yeah. Um, so, next story. Uh, this is from August 19th, 2009. So, uh, a year previous. Uh, Man City and Everton told to forget bids for Real Madrid's Arsenal fan, Guti. It's either, or is it Guti? Oh, yeah. yeah. Long, uh, long guy, number 14. Um, yeah, it says... Uh, this is kind of Real Madrid have told Man City and Everton not to bother following up interest in Spain mid- midfielder. What was it? Huti. Huti. <laughs> no, it's no, it's, a, it's a hard G. It's Guti. Yes. It is Guti. Yeah, yeah. See, I was trying to figure out because if he's from Spain, normally that's not a hard G. But yeah, I don't know. You guys would know. I've literally never seen the man play and registered that I've, yeah. So, uh, evidently, the, bar, the Premier League, along with Galatasaray, have reportedly inquired about the Bernabeu uh, vice-captain, but despite Madrid's desperation to offload players, neither head coach Manuel Pellegrini or director general Jorge Valdano are prepared to sanction Guti's departure. Um, yeah, 32-year-old midfielder, um, it seems like that would have perhaps been a, a better investment of because uh, it would have been 
for longer than like a month and a half. You know what I mean? Uh, but yeah. And apparently he left like right at the next year. So yeah. Yeah. I don't know much about the player. You guys, this, this would have been a pretty solid mm-hmm. signing, right? Yeah. From, I'll go first. If you don't mind. Yeah. Why player who spent a, a very long period at Real Madrid. He was kind of, he first, I think he's, is he an Academy player or do you sign young? He, he broke through the Real Madrid team during when Fiora, Fiorentino Perez, is that how I was, I was saying it? The Real Madrid, where basically when the Galactico era at Real Madrid started, the early 2000s, when Figo was brought in, Ronaldo was brought in, Beckham was brought in, Matt Manaman, all these players. Uh, he was kind of, Guti was kind of like that sort of more down-to-earth type player who kind of had a connection with the fans, I think. He wasn't a big superstar, but he bled the club, really worked hard. There was always a place for him in the squad. He'd always managed to get between 25 and 30 appearances in a season. And he was just, yeah, a very solid, underrated player who probably could have played a lot more matches mm. if he had left Real Madrid. But Real Madrid's one of those clubs that, yeah, you've got to be happy to sit on the bench, aren't you? It's just, you know, it's going to take... You're not going to swap Everton, especially at that, that stage of your career, 32, when you're just loved at, loved at Real Madrid. Correct me if I'm wrong, I believe he's... I don't know if he still is. I know he was last season. I believe he's now the Real Madrid youth manager. I think he... When Zidane was bumped up from... If they call it Real Madrid Castilla, is that how you pronounce it? The basically the Real Madrid B team in the lower leagues. I think when Sedan moved from there to manage the main team, I think Guti became the youth team manager and he kind of had a bit of an outside chance to become their manager this season. Now, obviously he didn't get it. It's gone to the former Spanish manager, but I still think Guti is involved at a high level at Real Madrid now. Wow. So good luck to him. Uh, Terry, did you get to see him play much? What kind of a, what kind of a midfielder are we talking about here? <sighs> magnificent player. He doesn't get the recognition he deserves because he wasn't. He was in a team of superstars, the the Galacticos with Figo, Ronaldo, the, the original Ronaldo, um, Raúl. He was outstanding. He wow. was. Um, he's, he was. What can, who can I just compare him to? He was sort of like the. Not a defensive midfielder. He was their normal midfielder. He wasn't like you know skinning everyone or anything like that. But some of, there's a highlights video of his assists that's uh, on Twitter that went around the other day. I've I've just tagged you in it. <laughs> Wait until you see some of the things he used to do. Even at 32, I don't think we'd have got him. I, I, even if he was willing to, I think one of the bigger clubs would have come in and said, "Nope, we're having him." I genuinely think even at that time he might have gone somewhere like like Arsenal and and had a mm. two or three years there. He was a very good player. Wow. He was a very good yeah you know, underrated because he was in a team of stars and he was an academy player. He, yeah, one one of the the glue type players who holds the yeah. uh, players together. Like Fernandinho at, at City, he doesn't get all the plaudits that um, the De Bruyne type players get, but a brilliant player. Wow. Would have made a big difference. I'm definitely going to be watching that that highlights video. I'm kind of psyched now. Um, so last first, oh. first assist is filthy. What you see him do in the video, it's unbelievable. Awesome. That's that's one of the cool things about doing these transfer rumors of the past. I'm selfishly getting hooked up with all this new knowledge. It's kind of kind of rad. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so uh, lastly, from uh, June 25th, 2013, and I remember this one, and I remember being kind of bummed we didn't make this happen. Uh, Martinez eyes Japan's inform Honda with interest in mil- midfielder Fellaini hotting up. 
Uh, it says Everton are keen on signing Japan midfielder Kazuki Honda from CSKA Moscow. Uh, Honda, 27, has returned to Premier League radars by impressing at Confederations Cup, but is also being tracked by where he end, end up going, AC Milan. Um, so, yeah, I think at the time we were looking for a number 10. Uh, we needed one pretty badly. I remember wanting one of those for a long time, <laughs> kind of at the end of, uh, of the Martinez era. Um, yeah, this was uh, 2013. Um, so, guys, uh, let's pretend like we, we signed Honda. Could this have been... That that number ten that we were really looking for could he have done the job? Terry, you want to start this one off? Probably no. He, he was he's, a, he's quite lightweight. He's he's a good player. Well, mm-hmm. there's been a lot of good players um, who've come and not really done it. I think he would have been Klassan before Klassan. He would have been like that. He'd have been uh. a skill skillful player. Wouldn't have suited here though. Wouldn't have suited Everton, and he wouldn't have suited this league. He was right to go to Italy where he'd allowed more time, space, and wouldn't be. Um, expected to do as much physical work and as much at pace. So, good player, wouldn't have fit here. What do you think, Paul? Yeah, he was one of those players who, if he was going to, he goes kind of plays anywhere across the, uh, if, you know, what's, what's it, a number 10 or a number 7. He can play anywhere across the front three, mm. basically, apart from being the out and out striker, which he's used occasionally. But yeah, predominantly in his career, he's been a number 10. Honda, eh. Uh, I'd have I'd have been interested to see what he could do. I mean, isn't he's a massive name in Asia, massive name. He'd have helped our markets out there a lot. I think him and is it uh, Kagawa? Oh yeah, uh, Kagawa. Yeah, they yeah they are absolutely massive in Asia. The same way Hernandez is in Mexico, something like that. Mm-hmm. Our share sales would have gone through the roof, like Tucson and Turkey. So. Yeah, I, I wouldn't, I'd, I'd like to have seen what I could have done, but I think he could have got a move to a bigger club at the time, and evidently he did. He went to AC Milan, and again, AC Milan are one of those clubs, even if they've not had the best time of it the last decade. They're one of those clubs that a lot of these players from Asia or South America are going to look at and go, man, I, if, if I can go play in that stadium in front of those fans and wear that famous shirt, I'm probably going to take that, even if it means taking less money. So... Yeah, Honda, we'll file that under. Disappoint we couldn't make it happen, but yeah, I don't I don't blame the guy for swerving us one bit. I blame him. The jerk. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that is one I actually wanted to happen. Um I just I, I felt like we were dying for some creativity in the center. Um at that time. It was frustrating to watch us not be able to crack into the box and just pass, pass, pass around. It just I hated watching it. Grr. Flashbacks, uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, that's all. Uh, that's all. That's all of our transfer rumors from the past. Past. Um, so, guys, uh, that that wraps that segment up. But it also wraps up the big show. Uh, if you've been listening via podcast, thanks for that. Please subscribe to the Topic Blues podcast. Rate it if you can. We'd appreciate it. Leave us a, a kind review that says. I, I like when the brothers McAllister get heated. Let's make that happen more often. <laughs> you know? Maybe that'll happen. Uh, but, uh, so yeah. Also, uh, please make sure you're subscribed to the Toffee Blues YouTube channel. Uh, yeah, we're well over 1,000 subs now, trying to get to 1,200. So, thanks for that. Um, check out the both these gentlemen. Uh, they're on the Liverpool Echo Fan Jury. 
Uh, and also you can find uh, Paul on the uh, Toffee Blues website. Uh, but you should just go to the Toffee Blues website in general anyway. Uh, all things Everton there. Lots of analysis from some smarties. Some really smart guys that care about the game, care about Everton. Check it out. Um, also follow the Toffee Blues on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. No more plugging. I'm plugged out. Gentlemen, thank you very much for your time. It's always great to talk to you guys. Uh, yeah, so uh, so for Paul. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed our verbal spa and Jerry trying to, you know, keep the fight clean. But opinions are opinions. That's what everyone wants to hear, isn't it? Indeed. All right, and for Terry? Yeah, take it easy, everyone. It was a spicy one this week. Uh, enjoyed it, though. It was good. All right. Thanks so much, guys. Uh, Yeah, see you later. And we are out. Bye.